Welcome to TechDown, the only podcast that I'm aware of discussing technology and other nerd-related topics. My name's Adam, and I'm joined, as always, by my handsome co-host, Aaron. Aaron, how are you doing, man? I am great, although I have bad news for you about What's that? being the only podcast that talks what about you... those topics. What? What do you mean? I, I, I thought we I were trailblazers. Like, yeah, I, I feel like it's, it's not the road less traveled, unfortunately. Mm, yeah, we'll have to check that. All right. Well, we can put we can put that aside and keep you know keep keep saying that until we're proven wrong. Follow up for next week. Yeah, perhaps or next episode, whenever that happens. Oh, yeah. How are you uh, doing, dude? Hold on, I'm writing a note. See if there are any other technology podcasts. Um, I'm doing good. It's a uh, a big day today. Obviously, if you're listening to this in the future, which uh, since we don't have a live stream, um, likely you probably are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, unless you're like on the other side of this door yeah. over here. Uh, this is a uh, U.S. election night, so um, I'm glad that this is almost over. Yeah, countdown to the apocalypse. Yeah, hopefully not, but uh, for better or for worse, it's all going to come to an end tonight. So yeah. I'm excited about that. Um, and we're, about you? it's worth pointing out right now that we're recording like in the early evening before any sort of updates have been coming about this election. So right now we're kind of in this, um, you know, wait and see sort of a uh, place right now. So I, I'm kind of nervous. I, I saw your snaps earlier today, so I know we both voted. So it is out of our hands. We've done our part. I'm feeling pretty good about my civil duties today. Um, I mean, so that, that, that's really good. I'm feeling great about that. I'm glad that you feel good about your duties That's <laughs> something to strive for. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been a particularly nasty election cycle. So, uh, sooner we can get out of here. I think the better. Yeah, for sure. Looks, we'll, looks we'll, like we're all going to survive. We'll have to put this one aside. Also, we'll do some follow up next episode to see. Who is the uh, incoming president? Mm, Stay tuned. Put a note. Okay, more follow up for next uh, next episode. Um, anything else that you wanted to cover in pregame? Um, I don't think so. No. Uh, you know, actually, the one thing this is unrelated to everything on our topic list, but I do want to just give you a heads up that last night I went ahead and purchased Rocket League on Steam. You did? Yeah, and Wait. so while I was checking that out, because I don't use Steam hardly ever, I saw that you had clocked in like 22 hours of Rocket League so far, which is pretty yeah. good. Like, I, I saw you posting, I think, some snaps or some, I don't know, some pictures somewhere, and I liked that you were playing it. I didn't realize you had put in that kind of time. So that that's some dedication. I'm I'm giving you some props for that. Yeah, I got a little bit addicted for a while. Um, Rocket League is a great game for me because you can jump in and play for like five or ten minutes and then jump out when your kid starts to cry. So I was able to do that a whole bunch of times and have some fun. And you know, the worst thing happened about five or six hours in, maybe like eight or ten hours in, but like I started to get good at the game, uh, which... <laughs> <laughs> just led to uh more more addiction. Yeah, and, and it also just becomes more punishing the better you get also. It's just like you graduate out of Bush League into like the first tier and just everybody completely destroys you. Like that's been my mm -hmm. experience. And Rocket League is not like a bicycle. If you don't play for a while, you get very bad very quickly. Yeah, cuz you played a bit on PlayStation, right? Yeah, right, yeah. So I played a game last night. I'm going to have to be uh, upping my time commitment, I guess. Well, if I see you online, we'll have to jump into a game together. I've been playing mostly Hearthstone, so I mm. uh, haven't been on Rocket League in a while, but we'll have to try it out. I haven't played with any any friends Rocket League, so no? that hmm. would be a pretty nice experience, I think. Now that it's available on Steam... Uh, we've been playing a lot more in the office. It used to be someone would bring in a PlayStation and we had set it up on a local network and that was like a lot of overhead. Now everyone just pays 10, 20 bucks and uh, we just, everyone plays on their uh, computer with a with a DualShock controller. It's oh, a really nice setup. 
Yeah. But but they don't invite you or you just Well, I bought it yesterday. Oh, to... uh, okay. So now you're hanging out with the cool kids. Yeah. It was kind of a peer pressure sort of thing. Got it. Got it. Uh so I mean that's good. Rocket League, check it out. We'll uh oh, some more updates and see how Aaron's Rocket League game is coming along next episode. Um, you want to jump into some topics? Yeah, man. We got a a stacked show, and now we're trying to enforce a time limit, so we're going to get in and get out. Dude, you shouldn't have said that. That's a kiss of death. No. For when you want to do a short show. This is going to be a, this is going to be a short episode. We're going to go at a good clip. We're what, like five minutes in? This is going to be good. Okay. Well, let's see how this, uh, how this works out. So between the time that the last episode was recorded and right now there was uh an apple event and what it was like two weeks ago yeah does that then sound about right recently but not super recent and uh it was a mac focused event and uh let's see how should i like people have thoughts about yeah. how this event went definitely um and it wasn't the most exciting event and a lot of the thoughts are negative and we didn't even record like a next day follow-up uh podcast or anything like so it's obvious you and i both were not very excited about uh about the event itself yeah is that fair uh yeah i mean i was definitely excited like we at work we always get together and we watch the keynotes um as a group and we've been doing that since i started uh at the company in 2013 so it's been like a lot of these events we've done that for this was the first time i actually did not watch the event live though like the entire thing came and went and i uh i had other obligations unfortunately mary best car broke down like 20 minutes before the event so i had to go rescue her in southfield uh and that meant I was driving home afterwards like this is the first time I am uh kind of going dark you know like I'm just gonna see all these impressions about the event and everyone's gonna be really excited like can't wait to get home like when I got home they hadn't posted the video yet so I was like should I go on the tech sites and you know see the spoiler should I wait for the live stream um and I did go to the tech sites uh and people were yeah, the the reaction, like you said, some people were angry. Like the yeah. initial first reaction was like a knee jerk uh from from the tech publications. But before we get into that, I got to know if it was WWDC, would you still have skipped it to go and pick your wife up <laughs> with a broken down car? Yes, of course I would. No. Good answer. <laughs> All right. Good. Save that for posterity. I love you, baby. Yeah, so it was uh, an hour and a half long event focused on Max, and basically the only, like if I could sum it up in a nutshell, the only thing that was announced was a new line of MacBook Pros. The top, everything except for the bottom base model um, includes this uh, new touch bar, OLED, uh, touch sensitive, customizable function bar display, like above the the top row of the keyboard. It replaces the function row of the uh, keyboard, which was basically the only cool thing that got announced this event, and it had been leaked basically months in advance. Yeah, yeah, we've been hearing about this for a while. Uh, I I think it's really cool. Um, I actually don't end up using that function row up at the top uh, for any of the like function key purposes. Like I definitely use the uh, brightness settings for the keyboard and the screen and all that that is like exclusively how i use that row of keys so i don't care one bit that those are now gone and it's replaced by a digital equivalent i'm fine with that you do actual real development work is that anything that like bugs you about this change i mean it's the sort of thing where i i have to try it out before i can really pass judgment like it could I could see it being actually really cool for Xcode and having some more useful shortcuts up there and having it be like they showed some demos where it's customizable, like that'll look really cool. <clears throat> um but a key that I do use a ton is escape. It's basically the autocomplete key for Xcode. Uh so like when you type a couple of characters and you want the entire which this was a bigger deal with Objective C 
uh, and is less of a deal with Swift. But you type, you know, TAB and it fills out table view or whatever for like that's the escape key. And so now hopefully either Xcode has that there all the time by default, or I can customize it to be there, or there's some other kind of keyboard shortcut. Um, but basically I'm taking a, uh, a wait and see approach with the touch bar. Uh, but my spidey sense tells me that it is going to be pretty cool. Yeah. I, it's shiny and new, so I like it for that. But in general, I, I think it's a positive change. Like I, Again, I wasn't super married to the function keys, so I'm like, I don't have like, that's a great use case where, you know, there's a real hesitation about whether like this is going to be a improvement or not for that use case. I don't have anything like that. Uh, The one thing that we didn't touch on with the touch bar that I think will be really cool and I'll use it a ton, like right off the bat when I get one of these eventually is touch ID, which is also integrated into that thing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, That'll be really cool for uh for definitely for locking and unlocking your Mac, making purchases, and that sort of thing. But the less that you have to enter your password, the better, right? Yeah, exactly. Like it it's fine now on iOS, but back in the day when they first introduced Touch ID and it was kind of like depending on where in the operating system you were, sometimes you had to put in your passcode and sometimes or your password and sometimes you could use Touch ID and they've moved most of those prompts that did require a password over to touch ID at this point. And so now like it's a drag when I have to put in my password somewhere. Like it, it just feels so much slower. Like I'm really spoiled because most of the time I'm using my phone. I can just use touch ID for things. Like when I use the Amazon app, I don't know if you ever do this and you go to your orders, like that part of the app is safeguarded by touch ID. If I had it put in my password every time I do that, it would be ridiculous. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Do you have uh, the Apple Watch unlock feature enabled for your Mac? Uh, I don't because uh, I don't think work would appreciate that um, on my work Mac, and that's where I think I would get the most benefit from it. My iMac at home doesn't have a password, so I don't have any reason to use it. So you I actually just... haven't tried that out. Huh. You should take off the password off of your work Mac. Oh. Problem solved. Yeah, I didn't think of that. The other caveat is that um, my iMac is old enough at this point that I don't think it would support that feature. It doesn't have Thunderbolt. Does it? But it'll run Sierra, right? Yeah, it runs Sierra. It's a mid or late 2010 uh, iMac. So it, like, it's been sad watching a lot of cool features pass me by that I can't take advantage of. I think most all the handoff stuff I can't do on that computer. Mm. got it yeah well uh in my opinion you're not really missing out on too much it's uh not my favorite feature of sierra it, it's not mm, i would say it's actually slower than entering the password yeah for me. I'm, a, I'm a pretty fast typer which is disappointing mm. um but so this touch bar was the main thing that got announced uh at this event other than a couple other nice things about the macbook line they're a little bit thinner now they all have the uh retina screen there's like the lower end one is supposed to be a replacement for the macbook air possibly and it has a retina screen um and uh oh they also come in space gray which is a first for the MacBook Pros. Yeah, um, and I I love that because it was introduced with the MacBook, and that was such a sexy look. It, it's funny because the MacBook also has like gold, and I don't think the the MacBook Pro does, but it looks so nice. Like I, it's it's a must get for me when I do mm-hmm. get one of these. It's going to be space gray. Yeah, um, this is going to get to kind of the core of something that I want to talk about later. Uh having not consistent colors across all the product lines, but we'll get, we'll get there. Yeah. Um, but so like this, uh, hello again, again, event that Apple hosts, it was like an hour and a half. And like, that was basically it. We covered it in about, what was that? Five minutes right there. And they really stretched out. They did a ton of demos. They had a lot of historical context. Like yeah, telling us all about the function keys and how they've been around for centuries. A lot of justifications, yeah. 
Um, and there just wasn't a lot there, which is kind of sad. So, I mean, if you had to pick a, uh, Apple event to miss, this was the one. So good job, Mary <laughs> Breath, Mary, Mary Beth sabotaging your car. Yeah. Uh, um, but then, uh, there were a lot of changes that got made, uh, that, uh, we hinted at that, at this people were not super stoked about. Um, and people, it has basically, people being nerds, nerds were not excited. Nerd people. Yeah. Uh, the people on my Twitter. Yeah. Um, and part of it might be that they're angry about uh, these things that got announced that we'll get to in a second. Part of it might be uh, the election going on. I kind of do think that that has everybody on edge. That's part of the reason that I'm really looking forward to it being over. I think It's like, like the Cold War, right? Like, just tensions are high. Yeah, yeah. And it just kind of uh, pervades everything that you're doing. Like, it's a little bit more tense, a little bit more negative. Um, but so let's see i got a list of things that are pissing people off about these macbooks that i want to talk about let's start with uh you know you know before you do though like i love the way you structured these notes like you didn't even call it out like you have this we already we blew through uh the 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 things that we like about this event which you've helpfully captioned the good and we're about to transition into the bad and then just a little spoiler, we do in the future, later in this episode, have the ugly. So sorry to interrupt. Please lead us into the bad. No, I'm glad I'm glad you like the structure. Um, let's start with uh, a 16 gigabyte memory maximum ceiling, because I think this has been the number one thing that I have heard people complaining about on, on the Twitters. Would you yep. agree? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and uh, and what, what do you think about that? So, uh, I guess, yeah, I guess this current computer has 16 gigs of RAM and my, um, my computer, my iMac has eight gigs, which I upgraded when I got it back in 2010. So I, I have a machine actually with 16 gigs and I didn't really think about that. Um, it's been a perfectly adequate amount of, uh, memory for me. I've never had memory issues. Like again, my older computer had eight, so getting 16 was an upgrade. Um, that's a completely serviceable amount of memory for just about every use case I could throw at it, including like audio editing and video editing. Um, so having a hard limit of 16 gigs, personally, I'm not super offended by, but I understand that there are, uh, some people out there, especially professionals who, uh, either legitimately or they think that they need more than 16 gigs. And this is a major blow to, um, their use of this machine what about you well so i haven't seen this spelled out explicitly online but i'm assuming that the previous generation of the macbook you could configure it configure it up to 32 gigs is that right yeah i think so yeah Uh, because i'm on a 2013 macbook pro right now and it has 16 gigabytes and uh you know, like you said, I, I never feel like I'm memory constrained. Um, uh, apparently, the justification that I'm hearing is that this was done because of the processor that, or the processor class that Apple wanted to use for these MacBooks um, to hit a certain power consumption limit that they had self-imposed only supports a certain amount of gigabytes of memory. I think this is the one that drives me the most crazy about people complaining about this line of computers because they, like, you would think that they were forced to get this. And there are other options. There's other laptop options that they can get that support uh, more than 16 gigabytes of memory if that's what they need to do. Um, But, like... It it sounds to me like a lot of these people, they want a laptop with desktop class power. And if that's the case, then a lot of the time, maybe what you really need is a desktop. And, you know, you need to deal with the downside of it not being portable. Yeah. I mean, you, I, I give some sympathy here because, like, this is... If you need a computer right now, like this is kind of your option if you want to continue to use a portable Mac. Um, so like it, if it's not a great option for you, I can understand being upset by that. 
I think it's probably it probably is not a great feeling that like if you followed Apple closely for a little while, like you've seen their product lines get more and more diverse and hit more and more niche niche audiences. Like they've they've gotten to a point where there's multiple different size classes of all of their different products and they have versions with more storage and versions with less storage. Like the SKUs are all over. Um but at the same time, like this particular class of user is not really getting represented in that way so it's probably frustrating to see apple like cater to more audiences um but you're kind of left behind like i could understand that being a little bit frustrating but the other thing is if like this is such a time sensitive issue like in 2019 this problem goes away and we don't care about it anymore like we spent Like, as an industry, hours and hours and hours of podcasting, complaining about this, um, and it, and it's like a time-sensitive thing. It's going to go away. Again, if you need to buy a computer right now, I can understand being upset about it. In the long term, like, we know what the correction is. Apparently, the class of CPU that they need is going to be coming out in 2018. That That uh, is most likely when we're going to see these 32-gig options that probably like only five percent of the people who would buy this computer legitimately need um but they're they're very vocal right now and they're angry they're so angry yeah and i would agree with how you said that i can understand being uh like not happy about it but yeah the the feeling that i've got is people being angry and again maybe that's that's the election or the sun and the moon aligning or whatever but uh, daylight savings time it's not yeah yeah, the that's true. There's less sunlight now. Um, there's a lot of things working against these uh, people who want 32 gigabytes of memory. Um, I, like I, I just I don't think it's worth being angry about. Like you said, it's it's uh, not going to be an issue. Maybe you skip this cycle and get the next cycle. And, and you know maybe that is feeds into it too because if Apple released hardware upgrades more regularly then uh, maybe it would be easier to predict when that next cycle would be. But uh, at the same time, I think I I would venture to say that the vast, vast majority of people who think they want or need a uh, 32-gigabyte configuration uh, could get by just fine on 16. Yeah, definitely. And to me, like, we again, you said everybody who you follow on Twitter is angry. Like, you don't you don't follow everybody who posts on Twitter. You follow the people you like and who are into technology and similar interests. Like people in our field are really upset about this, but I feel like it's an echo chamber. Like had we recorded this episode immediately after the event, I think we would have had a lot more positive spin on it. But like I listened to the accidental tech podcast where they did record immediately after the episode and they had some concerns, but the episode a week after kind of touched on the things that, Everyone yeah. is angry about now in the aftermath of the event that wasn't yeah. really present at that time. So, like, man, like, nerds are just so good at getting them, getting the dander up, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, this is one of the bad bullet points. There's a couple others. Uh, the starting price is, is more expensive, which uh, you kind of expect with Apple products, right? Like, people are going to complain about that and... I think that is somewhat justified. Apple likes to position themselves as a premium brand. Um, the power went, in some cases, it seems like it went down or didn't go up as much as maybe people would have hoped with uh, a a cycle refresh like this one. And a lot of that is probably to do with the battery usage and the, the thinness goals that they wanted to hit with this new MacBook. Um but something else that's really been getting people into a lather is this uh, switch to all USB-C ports on the Mac. Yes. Like, the power and all the peripherals have to run through the USB-C ports. Yep. That is that is it. Like, MagSafe is gone. If you want to connect the power, you're plugging into a, a USB-C cord, which not not a ton of those out there. You and I both have the newest Apple TV, so that's... I think probably the only device that we have that uh Oh, is that takes... USB-C? Yeah, that's USB-C. So you yeah, have at least one USB-C cable floating around somewhere. Hmm. Um but I I can understand again people being upset cuz a connector they don't have uh is 
replacing all the legacy ports that they actually do have. Like they've, a lot of people probably have invested a decent amount of money into cords um, that, you know, that work in their current work stream and now they don't. And Apple, of course, is happy to sell you some adapters that will make your old legacy cords work with their new machine. Um, and and so I, I don't hear a lot of people complaining that's a money grab. I think this is more people being understanding that this is a move to the future and more like universal standards, but still being grumbly because they have to like do some action on their part to make it make it work if they want to have this computer. This one I kind of understand a little bit more than the other uh, things that people have been angry about. And uh, partially because Apple just had this port fiasco with the iPhone 7 just two or three months ago. And now they are introducing a new port fiasco by removing all of the USB and standard charging ports from their pro line of laptops and replacing it all with USB. So it's like... Apple is almost kind of thumbing their nose at people vis-a-vis ports lately. This is embarrassing, but what was the what was the issue with the iPhone 7? Um, oh, they removed the, the headphone jack. Oh, the head... Yeah, okay. All right. Fair enough. And, and so the headphones, like, you have to get an adapter to use your existing headphones and you have to get a dongle there. I think people are kind of dongled out. Yeah. I... Yeah, sure. I I can see that. Uh, I I don't particularly like uh, having a bunch of dongles, but I I use one every day at work. I have an Ethernet uh, to USB cable that I use, and it stays at my desk on the cord. I don't take it with me anywhere, so it, that's like a non-issue to me. It might as well be part of the cord I use every day to get onto Ethernet. Do you use like any dongles in your day to day? Do you hate dongles? Uh, I have no strong feelings about dongles. Um, and I, I actually don't use any my day to day, but when I worked, uh, where you work now, when I worked there, I would always carry around dongles to plug into projectors and stuff like that. And I would always lose mine or like leave it in the room after presenting. And then it would just be gone. It's the communal cable at that point. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I it's mean, funny. It's funny to hear you give more credence to this one. Cause I feel the opposite. Like I feel there's some people who are legitimately left out about having 16 gigs. There's not a lot of them. And there's more people who think they're in that group than there actually are. Um, hmm. but this one, like I, I just, I have trouble getting on the side that this is on the wrong side of history, you know, like again, in two years, uh, I think we're all going to be carrying around laptops that have these kinds of ports like HP already has a computer. I saw uh, John Gruber at daring fireball linked out to um, giving them a prop for thinking future forward. Like this is to me again, <laughs> I try to be sympathetic cause I don't really feel the pain on this one. Um, but to me, this is an inevitable step towards the future. I mean, I agree. My only thing is that it seems it, it's just too much. There's too much of this reaching for the future and causing a mild inconvenience now on but, Apple's part. Again, to echo John Gruber, I'm, I'm not sure if you saw this, but like his thing about had they included just one USB port, like that's not really forcing the industry forward in a way that Apple is typical of. Like, is that like that's to me like I you know I'm reading that article like nodding my head like yep he gets it like I I, I have trouble like again maybe they could have put on like the the sd card slot but i have i have used that slot on my laptop like a grand total of zero times like the hdmi port i occasionally take advantage of like to again this is just not one that i like i think about very often so i have to kind of like put myself in other people's shoes empathy empathy yeah um all right, so I'm not I'm not super upset about that. I I think that there are things to legitimately be worried slash upset about with this announcement, and I, for the most part, I don't hear people talking about these things. And this is what I've classified as ugly, which you alluded to, and that's uh, this bulleted list down here. And uh, that starts with Apple only updating MacBook Pros hardware wise. Yeah. So to start with that. Event. 
like if you've ever been to MacRumors.com, like you, you can see their buying guide and they'll tell you like, you know, this one's just been updated by that. This one has been updated like a half a year ago. Like this one's kind of neutral or like there's an event coming up. You should not buy this computer. And before this event, every single Mac with maybe the exception of one had been in that do not buy new computer coming kind of stage. So when the event came and went and they only updated one of those products, like, yeah, that's, that is a little, a little bit of a bummer. Yeah. Um, and to me, it, uh, kind of indicates a inability to execute on Apple's part. Cause this is their big <clears throat> chance to speak to the world about the hardware that's going to be available heading into the holiday season. And, you know, if they could, they would love to be able to show you their shiny entire line of computers, but they focused on just updating these Macs. Um, and I find that, like, if they had introduced a particular 5K iMac at a particular price, I might have been interested in, it, in buying one. Or if they had upgraded the MacBook, uh, it might have pushed my wife to get one, but neither of those got updated. Um, a lot of the uh, people that we follow on Twitter are upset about no Mac Pro getting announced. Um, I, I I don't know. I, I think that it's a, a little bit troubling and just a little bit inconvenient. Yeah, to me. I, I mean, I feel that. I, I, I don't disagree at all. I would love to see a Retina 5K iMac upgrade. Like, that is a very sexy computer. And the one I'm more likely to get than uh, these touchpad, or I'm sorry, touch bar uh macbook pros that we're talking about to me though i think about um i think about the iphone and economies of scale where this is probably not the most bought apple computer like i would assume that goes to the errors um so if they were to like propagate the features that came out in this uh this computer across their entire lineup i think they might come across like supply constraints where they can't have um, like a retina screen in their entry level uh laptop for instance like this to me is sort of like a test bed uh where they can put in some stuff and then propagate that down the line like in a follow up uh yep. so it was definitely sad to not see everything get upgraded all at once but from like my very limited understanding of uh supply chains and things like that i think it's understandable that it came to the macbook pro first yeah, so um, I feel like the, that's two separate issues that are being conflated. One is I feel like they could have just done uh, like spec bumps on existing products without having to do anything new and radical and introduce touch bars and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And they, they couldn't even do that. They couldn't update their entire product line at the same time. And it's only these that have gotten any sort of love at all. Um, and then the other issue um, is this touch bar that could be really, really cool. They're obviously very excited about it, but it's only available on this one brand new line of computer. Um, and they weren't able to push it out to uh, other lines, MacBooks, MacBook Airs potentially, or uh, wireless keyboards. Um, and that kind of gets to... Another thing that I find really worrying, which is there, it, it seems like an inability, which is kind of scary, but to take this cool stuff that they, uh, that they've obviously, obviously spent a lot of time on and not be able to bring it to the entire product line. Um, and this is, uh, the same with the, uh, the colors on these new MacBook pros, like the MacBooks come in, uh, silver, space gray, gold, and rose gold, I think. And then the MacBook Pros are only silver. Mm -hmm. and like, you know, if Apple was able to, I would imagine they would like to have all of the colors available for the MacBook, but that's not something they're able to execute on. Right. Um, and uh, I thought there were other examples, but uh, I didn't put them in the notes, so they don't they don't come to mind. But just, like, they get excited about this stuff, and then it kind of doesn't go ever it like takes forever to get out to the rest of the um oh the, the retina screen like that's kind of an older example but they are still selling um i i think they still sell the the airs right the 11 and 
uh, 13-inch airs. I feel like you're right about that. Yeah. Yeah. So they are still selling laptops that don't have retina screens. And the first retina screen on a phone came out like six years ago, something like that. Not a computer. It was like four or five. Dude, I feel like you've flopped your position here. Like I was going to ask, could you think of one specific example where across an entire product line, like multiple different uh individual products apple has released something all at once like they they were selling uh back when the lightning connector first came out they didn't do an all push to lightning uh, they were still selling like an ipad that had the old 30 pin uh connector like iphones that supported that like i i think your one example of the colors is a great great example where that is like a head scratcher and i can't understand why they didn't uh, do all of their their like colors that you know th- they do the headphones in the same colors as the iPhones as the iPads as most of the Macs but for this one specific case they don't do the gold or the rose gold on the computers like that's really weird but like I can't think of any example where Apple has said here is a new technology and now it is across an entire product line like Retina screens you brought it up that actually I thought came pretty pretty quickly at least on the mobile products, like that jump from iPhone to iPad in a decent amount of uh, time. The Mac is a slightly different beast, and you're right. Like at this point, they're now getting getting to the point where they're closing out like the old non-retina uh, era. But I like to me, this is how Apple operates: that they start something new in one product and then it propagates to the rest of the line. Like that's. Maybe frustrating, but at least consistent behavior. Yeah, I just think they've—I uh, don't know. I think uh, I think they've been too slow. Yeah. With it. So one yeah. thing, like you—you you mentioned um, that being an indicator that Apple like fails to deliver. I'm not sure about that, but one of the things that's lower in your the ugly list that I definitely think indicates that is AirPods. So Apple broadcasted back in September that AirPods are coming late October. And then like three days before the end of the month, last month, they said, oops, actually AirPods are coming at an undisclosed time. Uh, So that to me, like announcing a product and then failing to meet your date, that is a clear concrete example of Apple failing to deliver. Like absolutely, hands down. Yeah. And it was like basically the justification that they were giving for removing the headphone jack from their main product, the iPhone seven. They're like wireless is the future and it's going to be so great. And we got these new cool AirPods that are going to show you the way and they're available this day. And then they just blow by that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, the other thing that, uh, people were kind of upset about, uh, John Syracuse is very sad about this. I oh am gosh. pretty sad about it as well. He's like morose is, about it. Yeah. Yeah. And it, uh, well, it's, uh, that Apple is apparently, well, they're, they're definitely not shipping a new retina display or a new display, standalone display of their own creation. Instead, they've kind of like outsourced the development using their parts to, Lenovo? Is that what it is? I didn't put it in the notes. Was it? It might be LG, actually. Yeah, LG. Yeah, I think you're right. But they've said, we're not making displays. Basically, this is, if you want a 5K display to run uh, with your MacBook Pro, um, you know, this is the display that you get. We don't make it, but you can go to these guys and get it. Um, Which, I don't know. I'm not, uh, not super happy about that either. And, uh, like for a company that, that cares about displays or has said that they care about displays so much in the past and that makes so many displays, um, them saying that this isn't worth our time or our efforts, um, doesn't make me feel good. Yeah. And by all accounts, that 5k display on the iMac is like gorgeous and it's beautiful and it's everything that somebody would want out of a first party, uh, external monitor. Um, and at right now, at this point, Apple's not prepared to to sell that. And uh, at least allegedly, uh, Neil A. Patel at The Verge mentioned right after the event that an Apple rep told him that they are out of the standalone display business. 
which is yeah, using like, like back channels in yeah. order to communicate that information. And more than like them saying in a press release or at the event that we're not interested in selling external display- displays, how that information came out seemed to be what um, agitated uh, John Syracuse the most and really made him very sad. Uh, so I don't know, like to me, do you take that as official confirmation? Because that's kind of like telephone to me a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah, I kind of do actually. Yeah, until I hear that's an exclusive scoop for the Verge, huh? Um, not even. Well, I mean, it was an exclusive scoop for Neelay Patel's Twitter Twitter handle, like that. I don't know. This is the kind of thing to me where Steve Jobs would be like, "Oh, this X is crap," and then like two days later, be like, "Hey, we're selling X." Like they can say they're out of that in in private conversations or say like, yeah, you can publish this, whatever. I don't know that I buy that it's forever, you know? Yeah, you've got to read the tea leaves with Apple because they never come out and say directly what they're thinking. Or they rarely will come out and say exactly what they're thinking or exactly what they're going to do. But um, with them discontinuing their standalone displays a while ago and not having something like... This would be, again, this would be the event to have their standalone display and to get it out there and get everybody excited. Not having that, um, it it seems like it's just not a business that interests them. And, uh, you know, maybe it's good. Maybe that they can eliminate something like that and uh, start to focus on other product lines. Maybe updating a Mac Mini. We didn't even bring that up. But that's something that I was, like, semi in the market for, and uh, hmm. they, they ignored. But, you know, if you... Uh, you know, the Mac mini are used to being ignored. Yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe, maybe a lack of display will give them more focus. Maybe it'll just let them free up the resources to pursue other ventures like project Titan. Um, but, uh, I, I don't know, man. So overall your verdict, definitely a, uh, an underwhelming event, huh? Yeah. And, uh, so underwhelming, is what I would say. I think the touch bar is actually going to be really, really cool, and I'm excited for it to be available on more products, and I think that it will really start to shine once more people get to use it. Um, I think that most of the anger has been misdirected is uh, is kind of kind of the second level there for me. Yeah, I, I'm, I can get on board with that for sure. Um, so we are at 45 minutes. We wanted to make it a shorter show. Um, and we have like, we've basically gone through half of what we wanted to talk about. Do we want to save this second part for the next episode? Uh, I mean, so you threw this one on there. I'm, I'm not sure how, I don't know how much of a, a time, uh, commitment this is in your opinion. I, I feel like we can hit this one up. Okay. All right, let's do it. So, all right, in the spirit of new Apple hardware, um, uh, we've had this topic in the parking log for a while for us to talk about kind of our history with Apple products and what got us excited, what got us to start using them. Um, Obviously, Aaron and I uh, both like Apple stuff a lot. It's kind of our, our, uh, you know, what what we're passionate about. And um, I don't know what kind of got Aaron in that direction. And I'm wondering, you know, what kind of his history with Apple products are. And, uh, at the same time, I feel like I have a couple of interesting things to, to share as well. So Aaron, uh, what, what's your, uh, what's your history with Apple? Like, so my, I'm trying to think of the timing here. So when I was in high school, um, for my birthday one year, I was gifted a green iPod mini uh, before the Nano came out, uh, and that was my very first Apple product that I ever had. And I recall having a mini disc player before that from Sony. That the oh, software yeah. was super awful to use. Um, and it, and and I asked my friend John when I got my iPod, just how do I transfer music onto this thing? Like I, even at that time, iTunes was kind of, uh, it kind of had a big learning curve for me. Uh, but once once I had music onto it and I was able to, you know, use the scroll wheel and uh, really, like, curate a music collection, like, really, um, and, like, mini disc was such a crappy technology. And, like, if you hit a bump in the road, it might still skip and 
it was just like flawed in a bunch of different ways uh and it was th like the iPod was really my taste of the future like for the for the first time like it was just it it really connected at a very basic level like i thought that it was uh intuitive to use even though getting the music onto it was well, it was hard for me at first um and and the, the product design just blew me away like it that iPod mini was hefty uh it had a backlight which was obviously not very cutting edge but when we're talking about like 2005 or so like that that meant a lot to me um i'm trying to remember so, so that was my first product and really my first introduction to like using apple's stuff i had heard of the company and was aware of macintoshes and even had like used some occasionally but i i had been all in on windows at that point and this was my first real big uh experience into the other side and uh let's see i see you, you actually listed the products that you the apple products that you've owned and your first apple computer was an imac in uh in 2010 yeah so that Sorry. was i had worked at a grocery store for several years as my first job and when i got uh um, like a more a more big boy job I, I had a little bit more money and my first purchase that I got with that money was that iMac it was a 21.5 inch I talked about it earlier on this uh, episode and I still have it it's in the room and it still works and I use it almost every day um, and that I remember going to the mall with my wife then girlfriend Mary Beth uh, and we went like right before close and I had insisted on getting a Ram upgrade that pushed, they were like just able to do it. Like the guy hadn't left yet. So I was like the last person walking out of the Apple store with this big box and it was really heavy. Uh, and I remember asking Mary Beth to like, come pick me up outside the Macy's because I didn't want to walk with it to the car. Um, and when I got it home, it was like, uh, it was like, again, like the iPod uh, experience, but just like a hundred times like more satisfactory because like I still have the machine and it's still like in 2016 almost 2017 is still great um and it was my baby and still is the this was early on in my relationship with Mary Beth we started dating in 2010 uh and she surprised me with tickets to the first uh Harry Potter Deathly Hallows movie so part one and I remember we were, um, she had like sat on my lap or something in my chair. And this was the second day I had my computer and I had like leaned backwards and then like went forwards really fast. And I had hit my table in some way and it caused the iMac to topple over and fall face forwards onto the desk. And I freaked out. Like Mary Beth says, I went pale <laughs> and like I picked it up. <laughs> And it had landed on a pen and smashed the pen open so that there was ink all over the iMac. <laughs> and there still is to it this day, bleeding. actually. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, Mary Beth, she, like, it was still early days in the relationship. She says that I, <laughs> like, she thought I was going to kill her. Luckily, the computer was fine. I had AppleCare even if something went wrong. Uh, but it was, like, immediately after I had gotten, there was this, uh, ink incident and that was <laughs> that definitely stands out as you know the the experience i remember when i got that computer so but what made you uh get a imac uh, uh i mean that's a big investment was it just that you had a good experience with the ipod or it did somebody else have yeah. a, uh, a mac so I mean between when I got the iPod and the iMac, uh I I became a, I looked a lot closer at Apple. Like I started watching the events. Like I mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure the first Apple event I watched was the introduction to the iPhone in 2007. I remember I think it was January uh and like I I watched the event like the next day my buddy John and I were talking really excitedly about it cuz he had Singular is his provider before they uh, were bought by AT&T. And so he could actually buy it. And we were really excited about it. So like between the iPod and the iMac, I had started watching their uh, products a lot more closely. So I had, I had never bought my own Windows computer, I believe, before that point. Uh, and so when I was 
looking at something to buy, like, cause I had my first big paycheck, like it was kind of a no brainer at that point that I would go with a Mac. Hmm. That's pretty cool. And the rest is history, huh? Oh yeah. So, I mean, the viewer or the listeners can't see this, but there is a long list. I, like I was at work putting this together and I was like, oh my gosh, like I bought at <laughs> least one Apple product for myself per year. And this is not counting, uh, secondhand Apple products or products that I've bought for my wife or other people or any accessories. Like this is just big purchases and there are a ton of them in this list. More than a dozen. Yeah. There's a lot. Yeah. Um, well, so for me, um, I like to tell this story because, uh, when I first started college, I was a huge windows slash anti Apple guy and hated every time that I would have to use a Mac and I hated the iPods and how everybody seemed to be going head over heels for them. Which is funny because uh, I remember that PC and it had like a plastic candy shell kind of coating that was clearly inspired by the old iMacs like back in oh, the yeah. day. And yeah. it, it's, it's funny to hear. I didn't realize you're so passionately uh, pro Windows and anti-Mac. I remember a friend got a Mac laptop about my freshman year of college and I gave her a really hard time about it and <laughs> I tried it and I'm like, oh, this is disgusting and it feels slow and blah, 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 blah. Um, in college, I started to really get into music and so was in the market for MP3 players. They were starting to become really big. Uh, and this was about the same time that the iPod was becoming popular as well. I think it was about 2000, uh, 2002, somewhere around there. And, uh, since I hated Apple products, I did tons and tons of research into the best non iPod MP3 players out there. And I remember I got this, uh, uh, I forget who makes it Rio that had this cool like spinner on the corner that you could move through songs with your thumb on it and you could fit like a hundred songs or something. And it was really cool, uh, for, you know, a couple of months and then it broke and I'm like, all right, cool. I'm going to do a bunch more research. I get to get another new MP3 player. And I found this Dell jukebox that, uh, was a little bit bigger and a little bit more powerful. And, uh, I, I loaded that up with songs and I used it for a while. I even, I got Cindy. I started hanging out with Cindy around this time and I got her to try uh, a Dell jukebox as well. And she's like, what MP3 player should I ask for for Christmas? And I'm like, oh, definitely this one and not an iPod. And uh, then mine broke. And so I did, re and this cycle repeated for a couple of times and until I was like, what the hell am I doing? Why do I keep buying these top of the line non-iPod uh, MP3 players that keep breaking and when I should probably just be trying this, uh, trying these iPods that everybody seems to be so obsessed with. Um, so I got one of those about the time that I was graduating college, I think. Maybe I had just graduated college. Um, I got a, um, I, th I think... It was called the iPod Classic eventually. Maybe it was called the, the iPod video Classic or the photo it. when you got it, probably. Yeah, I think it was like the second generation that did videos and photos. It definitely had color, um, but it was great. It was so much better than uh, the iPods that I had before. Like, I could tell right away how much better it was. And, uh, I it it didn't it didn't break it never broke it didn't me. it didn't uh, kill you to go back in your anti Apple ways. Uh, I mean, I was like, eh, I mean, I'll, I'll try this out. Whatever, like I'm spending all this money, I might as well spend a little bit more and get one just to try it out and see what it's. Like. So it didn't kill me. Um, and it kind <clears> of, <throat> kind of like switched my head around a bit. Uh, having this iPod, so same as you, the iPod was definitely a gateway. Yeah. Uh, tech for me. Um, that was about the time that I got a job. I started getting a paycheck, uh, more regularly, or I got a, a tech job. So I got maybe, uh, a slightly more respectable paycheck, uh, though they still paid us peanuts back then. Um, but this was about 2007 ish and the iPhone was coming out. Um, and I, I was paying attention to that a little bit. 
Um, I think I might have actually gotten a uh, a PC around that time, and I used that for about a year until it broke. And about that time, they introduced a SDK for the iPhone, and they had like started to introduce iPod Touch as well. And uh, the like one of the first apps that really started to hit it big was this iFart app. Do you remember that? <laughs> Yeah, I the one that I remember is I am rich. I am rich. Yeah, like these stupid apps that were uh just they didn't do anything and people were just eating them up like candy and uh my first tech job, which I mentioned, uh they taught me how to program. So I was like, man, these programmers are building these simple iPhone apps um and they're apparently making a whole bunch of money. There's this gold rush going on. I uh, I kind of feel like I, I should be a part of that. And so once my Windows PC gave up the ghost, I uh, bought a iMac. It's probably about 2008. I think it was the 21 and a half inch also, 2008 model. Um, and used that to teach myself um, iOS development um, for the next six months to a year or so and that was uh my gateway to putting out apps um i got an ipod touch eventually and eventually an iphone and like your list is you know a dozen or so pieces of technology and like mine is similar length i've given apple so much money over the years um once eventually um once my wife's i think she got a windows laptop as a graduation present and wanted to get another Windows laptop uh, once her uh, graduation present started to die. And I'm like, dude, at this point, I am not going to support a Windows machine <laughs> anymore. Not like, in my house. Yeah, because for a while, like, every time something would go wrong with her laptop, I would, like, want to stab my eyes. Uh, just the UI was so bad, yeah. and I had gotten totally invested in this Apple League. So I got her to switch. And uh, it's been, you know, probably like uh, six or seven years now that all of our products have been Apple. And uh, it's it's now, uh, it's like this little, not very customizable black box, but it, it's nice. It feels like my black box, you know? And uh, I think that there's a lot of synergy and like Halo benefits that I get from having all of my products be Apple everything kind of sinks to the same place and like all of my money goes to the same place yeah uh which is apple so that's really nice and uh i i don't know i uh i i like it a lot even though you know apple supporters tend to be the ones that will uh complain the loudest i definitely complain a lot about apple stuff like i wouldn't wouldn't change it for everything i am overall super happy about apple stuff i'm just i'm i'm really passionate about it and i understand so so is everybody else and that's why they uh they get worked up about it so yeah that's uh that's my history with apple story you know the while you're talking it, like you kind of jump-started my memory a little bit and you had asked earlier like between the ipod and my first imac like why i ended up going down that road and i remembered when you mentioned graduation presents that when my buddy John did uh, uh, graduate high school and went off to Michigan state back in 2008, his present was a, uh, a, a MacBook pro actually. And so when he was that entire summer and when he was home and when I would visit him, I spent a lot of time using that MacBook pro, particularly creating like little silly songs in garage band um nice. and like i i made a ton of those like back in back in the day i was a night owl and i would just spend all night like while john was asleep playing with his mac uh and so like i had kind of forgotten all about that and so that like really was the gateway into using the mac as a uh as a you know or using an apple computer not just like their portable devices uh, hmm. And that was, yeah, actually a, a really crucial step that I had kind of uh, omitted there. Yeah. Well, thanks, friend of the show, John Demers. Yeah, Mr. Demers. For setting Aaron on the right path. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, well, it feels good. That, like, this feels like a good place to stop the show. Would you agree? Nice yeah. positive note. Definitely. 
All right, cool. Uh, you want to do sign-offs? Sure. So if anybody is interested in hearing more of my thoughts, uh, I am on Twitter. It is at Aaron Comp. I have a website, which is AaronComp.com. And uh, I'm also on the typical social media, Instagram, uh, Snapchat, such and such. And that is at Aaron Comp almost everywhere. Great. I am at Adam Comp on Twitter. I'm AdamComp.com on the internet. Um, I am Adam Comp on Snapchat. You should definitely add me there. Um, I, I love Snapchat so much. I, I could just talk about it all day. Um, we are techdown.fm on the internet as well as at techdown.fm on Twitter. Um, I think that's it. Yeah, man. Awesome show. That was a good time. I'll catch you next time. Yeah. We almost observed our time limit. Not quite. Yeah. Right. Kiss <laughs> of death. I called it. Yep. You did. All right. See ya.